0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast from a non Trekkie perspective. I'm Liam Dempsey. I'm joined by my usual co host, Matt. Hello, signing in. And Paul. What if I do to sir? We're here to discuss Star Trek Strange <laughs> New
1: Worlds.
0: This is yet another long awaited review of a Star Trek show that finished many months ago. The 11th Star Trek show. Oh. Afraid, the 11th! This was broadcast on Paramount Plus from the 5th of May 2022 to the 7th of July 2022. So, wrapped
1: up around seven months
0: ago. So, we're getting better. This we're is getting hot, better. Yeah yeah, is my, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like like a comet here. It's certainly <laughs>
1: searing for me, seeing as I did the last three episodes today. Exactly. I watched this ages ago, so I'm gonna be just a little bit rusty on some of the details. Oh, but it's the it's the beauty of the standalones, baby. Yeah, you know, yeah like awesome. they'll
0: they'll stick they'll stick out in your head more, definitely. Because this yeah. is a weird one, isn't it? Because regular listeners will know that when we did Star Trek Discovery season four Paul, you were behind on that. You'd seen the first six, and we kind of recorded those. You then came back and reconvened with the news that the fifth season of Discovery would be the last, and got your kind of remaining force of that. But with this one, you were way ahead of us. Yeah, and I, and we'll obviously talk about why. Like it was a you know
2: not a bitter pill to swallow. This one. <laughs> it's a
1: show you wanted to watch.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it was
1: gripping,
0: like uh, from the from the first episode. Like, um, yeah, as we'll, we'll yeah. talk about. Yeah. there's a lot that works here, and we will talk. So this is essentially. A spin off from Star Trek Discovery because obviously season two of Star Trek Discovery in the ever changing world of disco saw Captain Pike and Spock from the Enterprise, essentially joined the Disco crew for a year, along with Number One as well, played by Mystique from X-Men. They all joined the crew for the second season, which I think second season of Disco, possibly the strongest, or certainly in contention with season one. Yeah, it is for me. Yeah, season one and two, I think, really go. And a big part of the reason season two is so good is Pike, because he essentially becomes de facto captain of the Discovery. For season 2 and I think we were just all blown away about how great Anson Mount was in that role. Completely made his own. Obviously uh, the character of Crystal Pike is the original Enterprise Captain from the first ever original series pilot, The Cage. Uh, which we have covered on this show, but obviously there hadn't really been much set in stone with Pike's character. But he's very important Star Trek lore mm. as being the original captain. But Anson Mount very much came in, made the character completely his own. Well,
2: he's coming off to
0: like you know a, a more recent iteration of Bruce
2: Greenwood. But like you know that was a great performance. and It kind of brought the character like up to date, and you were you kind of thought that was the definitive sort of viewing of it until this, where you're like ah. This is this is even more interesting than like uh, you know the the, the Trek films yeah. iteration of it for me. Well, I remember to me you know, I- for me to kind of forget Bruce Greenwood's interpretation mm-hmm. and, like
1: that took a lot. So, someone who really owns this? Well, I remember being a bit worried at the end of Disco season one when the Enterprise shows up. It's like, oh, is this how quickly we're jetsoning new stuff, even though it was set in the past to be like, oh, okay, here's the Enterprise, you, you like this, you remember this, you remember these guys, here's Spock, ha ha ha. And then it was the, the strength of both Mount as Pike and Ethan Peck as Spock that really kind of led through season two. And it ended up acting as a really great backdoor pilot for this show in a way that didn't feel
0: quite as cynical as I think it could have done. Yeah, because at the end of season two, while disco is propelled a thousand years into the future, we get to see the Enterprise going off with the crew that we essentially recognise from that cage pilot back from the 60s. And we're like, oh, okay, they're about to go off on their adventures because... What was established at the beginning of Discovery was that it is essentially set 10 years prior to the adventures of Kirk and Spock in the original series. So we're like, oh, okay, so we've potentially got 10 years of Pike Adventures before we get. there, or at least, kind of, you know, quite a long time available. I think, you know, obviously, yeah. once we get into this series, it's kind of established as potentially seven years, which is yeah, funnily yeah. enough, the classic seven season check timeline for kind of shows like TNG, DS9, and Voyager. So that's what they could do if it continues mm. for that long. And this show was very much pitched as a return to classic. Episodic track as those '90s shows from Rick Berman. Well, it's not uh,
2: the first time that
0: you know New Track has done this, because the you know um, Lower Decks had done episodic as well. Yeah, but I suppose a the little different. Because, yeah, because action like version of this. Yeah, because yeah, they're the animated comedy kind of adventures. I suppose it's a little different, and even Prodigy, even though that does have individual episodes, there's a lot multi-parters and continuing yeah. Yeah, arc that was- across that. Whereas this was, yeah, the live action return, much more like, for the first time really since Enterprise, but even with Enterprise, we, it's the early seasons because once you get into like season three and four it's a lot yeah. more It's
2: been 20 years yeah, 20, yeah, 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 2002
0: you know around that oh one 01 to 04
2: wasn't it Enterprise yeah. so yeah second season Enterprise it's been 20 years yeah. since we've seen episode Star Trek
1: yeah probably and I, and I think as the argument has been as I'm sure we've mentioned before is that once you get to the budget levels that modern TV like this this prestige cinematic TV reaches that it makes sense to do bigger stories like Disco's doing, which becomes this, like, ongoing movie-style presentation. And that using all that money to tell standalone episodes in a world where you're not just, you know, spending all your days doing 22-episode seasons on a backlog all the time is well, a bit grand but this is like this shows that it can still be done well yeah i think the argument against this kind of episodic uh tv in this era
0: has been twofold not only creatively in terms of the creative limitations of it but also in terms of what audiences want in terms of i think a lot of people thought the audience very much you know want the serialized coming back every week as it were but also uh, the fact that when you reach this prestige high budget level of tv obviously to do episode by episode where it's a different story each week actually requires essentially more budget because it means you need a new location mm-hmm. every week, like a new setting. And so rather than being able to choose yeah. the same things again and again. Lots of more guest stars. Yeah. Yes, so for, yeah. You know, for Discovery Season 4 you're signing up this core cast for every
2: episode. Yeah. You know, um, Tarka, you know, you're basically a recurring character through these for these 11. Exactly. You know, and it's, it's yeah, cheaper. Whereas this one, you got like, you know... Well,
0: your guest stars of the week and uh in every single one yeah essentially yes so this was really really interesting um interesting gamble and certainly in terms of the fan reception and critical reception it seems to have paid off and it certainly must have been successful paramount plus because out of all the star trek shows Stranger world seems to be the one they're putting all their bets on now it's very much been placed front and center of all their kind of promotional materials mm-hmm. and everything like that it's the one that seems like it's got the most bright future in terms of season two is definitely happening it sounds like season three is practically guaranteed as well and in a time where you know streaming commissioning is kind of slowing down that is an achievement yeah, I'm glad to see it. I just wonder about like, you know how episodic TV is like you know
1: an unknown thing. And, yeah, what well, have you heard of Bones? <laughs> you know, just, like, <laughs> I keep doing that to my housemates. Did I tell you this last time? Because after you said how that's how you announce what you're watching the show with Sophie, uh, my two of my housemates are doing a whole Bones rewatch. So oh, you a rewatch?
2: I, they're going back.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're on like season seven now, God, and they're doing 15. it. They're doing it all. They're doing it all the time. So I just walk in and be like, "Oh, it's more Bones." <laughs> yeah, <going>? again, <laughs> it's so, there's so much. There's so much of from, it. I mean, you're yeah.
0: talking like phrase numbers. They, they
1: say Frasier. the word bones like every 30 seconds, like at least <laughs> once or twice. There's uh, a drink game to be had or a, someone to edit sure, a compilation. <laughs> <laughs> well, also,
0: funny thing, Rand, one of the few things I know about Bones is that I know there is an episode quite early on, which is directed by David Duchovny, mm-hmm. and it's meant to be one of the best episodes of the uh, show. Yeah. And it features um, Running Up That Hill, but the placebo version of it, rather than the Kate Bush one, which I remember when this episode came out, the montage to Running Up That Hill was all kind of really kind of shared across, you know, being, oh my God, this is amazing, and that song, like, you know, became one of those... Yeah. song featured in a TV show and really kind of kicked off and then obviously like 15 years later or something Stranger Things does it with the original Kate Fush version then takes off but Bones got that force there you go. <laughs> so Strange New Worlds this
1: is your captain our mission to chart the stars push the boundaries of what is known Possible. I'm standing on the surface of a comet. I love this job. These people, this crew, I believe we can do anything. You want to seek out new life. Go where the aliens are. Your presence is blasphemy. Let's talk
0: about this, find some comfort.
2: I think that went well.
0: Let's just go on the table and just get kind of like opening kind of reactions of basically, did you like it or not? Nah.
1: Yes, I did. Yes. I think this is everything I wanted from New Trek. And I would have said everything I didn't know I wanted from like Discovery back in season one and two when I was like, no, I am enjoying this, but something's kind of missing. And now I can definitely say, no, this is what I wanted for the like season three and four Discovery that we've gone through. Uh, Picard as well. I think this goes to show that there is still a place for episodic storytelling. And it's built around, you know, this magnetic core performance from Anson Mount as Pike and Ethan Peck as Spock. You know, Both know, Yeah, he, in, he's, he channels Nimoy's voice especially, like, so well. Like, that's one of my notes from the first episode because there's a certain line he says that could have been just taken from uh, young Nimoy. And you get the sense that, you know, because Vulcan's aged differently and this is 10 years before... So, you know, he's not young, young. He's not like a quinto in the movies. Mm. You get the sense of, like, yeah, this is him just out of kind of this prime, but he has this like maturity and agedness to him. And I just love how it does the crew justice. And then we'll get into this for sure, but it's like there's a whole bunch of characters here, and each episode's centered around pretty much like all of them. You know, it's not mm. just the Pike show, it's not just one mission that pike and spock are like going off to solve for episodes and people are there to push buttons and say on screen it's like you get a sense of everyone's personality very quickly and very only took an episode or two before i was like yeah i'd die for like any of these people this is great like i get a sense of them going out into the unknown together so it's proven that that can be done if you just spend a bit of time with each one have interesting actors interesting characters and then the individual stories themselves Run the gamut of, like, you know, really high action blockbuster stuff, sort of original series episodes evolved, like the one w- which. You know, falls into this fantasy fairy tale that's very sort of TNG holodeck kind of stuff, which I love.
2: Well, oh, original series. Yeah, original yeah. series. I'll yeah, say. yeah.
1: With the wonky, you know, wonky sets and costumes and stuff. Yeah. And it just goes to show that it's like this is a Starfleet crew out doing the five year mission again and getting. And it's just such an easy slam dunk for a premise to a show. Just like you have a crew of people on a ship <laughs> and space is infinite and you just go planet to planet seeing what's up. And I think the. The range of stories they choose to tell across these first ten episodes is really is really key, and there are still elements that do carry on in the serialized. And I think one of the genius parts of it is that they set up the main thing to do with Pike back in Discovery that he's yes. seeing his future, yes. so they they've tied into what we know the character, and so they can waste no time here and have this character who is grappling with that throughout, and it's informing a lot of what we know about him and what he's going through. But it's pre-established coming in, which is it's really It's a clever. great science fiction concept of like, you know the date of your death. Yeah.
2: Mm. like And what that does to somebody. Yeah. And that's like a great kind of thing that somebody can deliver. I mean, not like, it's not resolving in an episode where it's like, you know, how's that gonna play out? Yeah. Like, this is like something he's living with. And like, every, it, all his decisions are yeah. over that you know you're not gonna die doing this. Yeah, it's and not. Way, it's like, so you're not dying today, so you're okay. But like, you know, where's the yeah. going to be? It's that crazy thing, isn't it? Like, it's uh, a brilliant sort of conceit.
1: Yeah, it's not, it's not either wrapped up in one episode and done with and it's also not the overriding story of the entire season no. either, where everything's tied to it. like it it would be very movie. dire
2: and yeah. dark and, you know, we've got a thing because this, this show has that brilliant thing of like, having moments of darkness with, with, with Anderson Mount's character, you know, how he begins the show with that kind of thing, and his, and it goes back to him, But it's it's able to keep that lightness yeah. of touch that it can kind of have, uh, you know, and it doesn't feel like it's two different types of show battling up each other. It's like this show can go both ways. How Fraser, you know, was able to balance comedy and then your drama, you'd be laughing and crying. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what I just see with Stranger Worlds, It's amazing, like, high-wire act of... Uh, those yeah, two things.
1: and again, that's so much of Mount as well. Of he comes across as his Pike as this captain, who you want to be on the command with. He's not. He's he's bottling some stuff up, but he's he's a really manageable guy and stuff. And I think it wisely takes until the finale to kind of come round to this ongoing element of of confronting his his fate in his future. And yeah, just do it like that. Have it be affecting his character throughout and then tackle it in the big finale, great way. It's a great, well, I think the way you read the show is like, you know, it's a leadership manual, isn't it? Like, it's,
2: you know, leaders are human, like, and, you know, we'll have things that you don't know about them, but, like, what he's showing his crew is, you know, courage and and confidence and, like, getting the best out of people. So it was, like, you know, fantastic to watch him, like, lead this crew. Yeah, And I think the show, you know, I think my example of why this immediately works, me, uh, you know, versus Discovery is that, you can have the episode with number one. Uh, uh, La'ana? Is it La'ana Nunian Singh, like the security officer?
0: Yes, Leon Nunian Singh, who's yeah. played by Christina Chong. Yeah, and they basically, you know,
2: word gets around to them that people don't think they're any fun. And there's a great sort of side B or, I don't know, it's B or C plot in one of the episodes where they just uh, are just tr- pl- mucking around the shit when a business has gone out. Very lower decks. That, Very uh, low. uh, yeah. But it works. Yes. Like, and it was really funny. And it, you got to know these characters, like, you know, because they were not in front of other people. But, you know, in, in workplaces in general, you get, like, groups that kind of, like, work sit together and play together. And, you know, those kind of schisms happen. But, like, they'll all be a great team as well. Yeah. Except there are people who kind of, like, gravitate towards each other. In, in ten episodes, you get those kind of yeah. little things forming quite well. Good partnerships. Yeah. yeah. And, like, that's why it just... The cohesiveness of it, like... I don't know how quickly I kind of fell for this crew. It was so quick.
1: It's how they did it. It's funny, you take, you take the reins away of the pressure of doing an ongoing serialised story and rein it back to stand and yet what you gain is the heightened focus on who, on who you have because it's like there's nothing else going on outside of the Enterprise entering a new adventure and so everyone's in it together. So, Paul, you clearly
0: liked this as well. Mm. Um, I also liked this and there are episodes of this i really really liked and i thought it got better and better as it went along and i thought the most important thing is i thought it ended really strong in the last two episodes i think really really excellent and i think that that's the important thing it kind of settled into what it was doing and actually a lot of the stuff they laid down in earlier perhaps not as compelling episodes, paid off later Mm. in terms of the time they'd taken to build up characters. But I wasn't initially as blown away by this as I thought I perhaps would be. But my appreciation for it grew as I went through the season. And we'll talk about that more as we go on. So let's talk a bit about the character arcs and stuff we do have. In the season, because although this does not have kind of long running season arc in the way something like Discovery does with the anomaly over season four, it does have a number of running threats throughout and kind of character threats. The chief amongst them is what we've already touched upon, which is Anson Mount's Christopher Pike uh, knowing that he is going to not so much die, but but essentially have a fate worse than death, be left horribly disabled and uh, terribly burnt and unable to speak in that kind of, you know, mechanical, almost Davros-style uh chair that he kind of travels around in. He knows that's going to happen to him, and his fate is sealed. And, you know, a lot of this season's about him having to mm. deal with that anxiety of what he's building towards, also kind of feeling the fear in terms of knowing he... ...isn't going to die, so sometimes being rather reckless, we kind of see that in the fourth episode... ...where they first encounter the Gorn memento mori, where we kind of see him taking risks... ...that perhaps he wouldn't take if he didn't know that about his own fate already. Almost tempting fate to be like, oh, can I just die before that happens... And then it all builds up to the actual kind of finale of Quality of Mercy, where essentially he actually gets to travel into the future in a sense. I mean, I kind of feel like it's kind of he goes into the body of his mm. self seven years in the future and gets to see kind of how he could perhaps avoid his fate. But if he does, then essentially someone he cares about will suffer. And I thought that character was done very, very well because what they did cleverly was set something up which essentially could run over the entire series for many years. And they actually went, no, you know what? We're going to deal with this now in the first season. So obviously we know that this is always going to be in the background. We're always going to be potentially heading towards it. But actually, in terms of a character arc, we're going to wrap it up in the first season because essentially that finale is all about him coming to terms with his own fate and being like, you know what, I'm going to live for the moment and appreciate what's around me while I've got it. And I thought oh, that was very, very well achieved. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was very well achieved. And a lot of that, as you said, is about Ant Mount. I think he is spectacularly good in this role. I think he's massively charismatic. Best hair on TV. Yeah, amazing (laughs) hair. Defies gravity. A very interesting quote I read from him and Akiva Goldsman. Where they said, who obviously Akiva Goldsman is co showrunner of the show along with Henry Alonzo Myers. Uh,
1: yeah, um,
0: and Robin, so we need to know exactly, <laughs> like, like I say, he, Henry Alonzo Myers is the other showrunner alongside Akiva. Who f- only one of them wrote Batman and Robin, which is, <laughs> that, that, is very, that is very true. We know who the true king is here. Um, yep. although Henry also worked on Charmed and the Magicians, so I don't know if he's friends with James L. Conway, like our the- old buddy, so who's been a guest on this show before, so I don't know where. Whether they're buddies or not, but uh that's quite interesting. And basically what Akiva and Anson Mount said about their version of Pike was obviously this is a character who was invented in the 60s. And let's face it, Anson Mount's Pike is very different from the one we saw in the cage in many ways. And they wanted to avoid what they referred to as the toxic masculinity of some Star Trek captains in kind of previous iterations. And uh, Anson Mount said he wanted to portray uh, Pike as what he saw as true masculinity. And I think that's an interesting take because he is an incredibly masculine, heroic character, but he also cooks for his entire crew He's very emphatic and comforting and encouraging. Like, you know, he's kind of like this perfect dude in many ways because. He'll he, it will,
1: it will lay out a mission plan whilst doing the washing up.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. He's got the machismo, but he's also got the kind of softer side and everything like that. And I think he. He's an ally! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think, I just think he does it so well. Like you say, use the word magnetic. Yeah. Right? And I think, that's, I think that's correct. Did the whole Pike arc work for you, Paul? Yeah. Like, um, I, I don't
2: agree with what he said about James T. Kirk and William and Shatner's portrayal of him in the 60s, though. Oh, did he say something specifically about... Yeah, he just said, like, that was toxic masculinity. And... Oh, I, I disagree as
0: well. I, I disagree. Uh, yeah, I yeah, think, yeah, you yeah. know,
2: you should go back and watch those shows. Yeah. It's, it's that it, it, his portrayal and, and, like, that character was one of the things that they be the best yes, in that show. Now, I, I not agree that did, strongly. But, like, you're barking the wrong tree if you think that, like, his character was, like, you know, overtly sexist and they're going kind of yes.
0: like, to the, sorry, but it's not... Sorry, sexual. But I, 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 I will yeah. say. I will say. Yeah, Joe. Kirk, still to this day, my favourite Star Trek captain. Yeah, yeah. Just Goal, st- the gold standard. Risk is all business. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we're looking forward to watching uh, my name. Call me Bill. Like it is, is crowdfunded what's
0: that, what's uh, that? You know, he's, he's finally doing a documentary of his life like, oh like, god yeah what's it called like Call Me Bill or something yeah I mean the funny thing is Kirk not problematic Shatner <laughs> <laughs> we'll see we'll see like um, but yeah I'm glad that's happening but yeah so
2: back to your original question yeah Anselmau's character like yeah I was absolutely fine with that in fact you know that was kind of a bit by the by for me I was just wanting to get to know the rest of the people to be honest I was Really impressed by you know um, Ethan Peck's Spock, more so than in Discovery Season 2, yeah. where I kind of, like, you know, it broke free of the, the bounds of, like, uh, being plastic. so close yeah. to, like, Quinto and, like, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not over the initial annoyance of me of just introducing the Enterprise so early, you know, and just, like, dropping the spot bomb in there. But, like, you know, it's only just on its own, and, like, this is a great interpretation of the character. And, um, yeah, n- not an impression. Like, it's, uh, but it's, it's certainly you know, is really true to the essence of the character and he's he it takes it in his own way and I think it's fantastic. Um, but also, you know, the deepening of all the Zoan roles, which was like obviously paper-thin sketches on the pilot, you know, reinventing some of those kind of characters mm-hmm. uh, for the show, like Number One and... Uh, yeah, Ortega's, I think.
0: You know, I don't know if they w- w- were actually. I think they, so, they gender-switched a couple of people. Number one, obviously, is in the original Cage pilot, yeah. uh, but she's just called number one mm. in that she went unnamed. Uh, apparently, the, the name that she's got in this is taken from one of the Star Trek novels mm. or something like that. So, um, yes, yeah, she was in the original uh, show. The Doctor, who mm. I didn't realise, is actually his character, is in two episodes of the original series. Right. So they, were, th- yeah, they were introduced mm. in the original series. Obviously, his version is, is very different,
1: but yeah. it was. Uh, uh, young Ahura. Young Ahura, uh, well. yeah, Cadet Uhura I went as well. into this not even knowing her was in the show. So I was like, oh, damn. Yeah, and obviously, Christine Chappell. Yeah. Nurse Christine, who was played by uh, Margelle Barrett uh,
0: in the original series and the movies, who was Gene Roderby's wife. So there are. Quite a few mm. characters dotted around, but there are new characters as well. Um, I believe Lan Noonie Singh is a new character, and Emma, uh, Erica, and will take it. Hammer. Yeah. So to progress of returning
2: character as well from the original series.
0: Which one? it's uh, So Spark's girlfriend. Oh, is she from the original series? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, Fiance at the beginning, they get married during the season, don't they? Yeah, I think so. And certainly
2: no, are. But they could
0: have. I can't remember if they married in, uh, you know... a, a
2: mock, Spock amok. A mock time, though, in the episode where, you know, they, he has to go back to...
0: Oh, yeah, maybe they're just engaged in this. They're certainly engaged. And uh, what I will say, hot take, mm. Ethan Peck as Spock, superior Spock to Quinto.
2: Yeah.
0: Like, yeah, literally, uh, Zachary Quinto, fantastic. I genuinely think he does an amazing Spock in those movies. Well, he, However, he works perfect
1: for those movies, doesn't he? Yes. Because it, it's a different Spock. Yes. Whereas this spot is just a young version of Prime Spock. But
0: I actually, funny enough, think Quinto does more of an impression of Nimoy yes. than Peck does. What Peck does, I feel, is he Embodies. He embodies a spot in terms of he doesn't do impression, but somehow he actually gets closer to the spirit of Nimoy's Spock than Quinto ever did. Yeah. For, without doing an impression. He makes the character his own,
1: but somehow you'll go like, oh yeah, I can see yeah. Nimoy in there. I yeah. think he is fantastic. And don't forget, Quinto can barely do the Vulcan salute. <laughs> well, I mean, this is always you know, like...
0: Quinto, old buddy, I cannot do the Vulcan salute <laughs> hardly at all. I will, also, I will say though, oh,
2: the original character, yeah, Hura worked for me, but Captain Kirk did
1: not.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, yeah. yeah we're skipping ahead to the finale a couple of times here, but the um, finale, yeah, we get to see a younger version of Kirk because we go that seven years into the future. Yeah, fine. Um, Yeah, so this, so this is before he captains the Enterprise, obviously, and he is younger. But so he, this is seven years into their future, so three years before we would see him in the original series. So he is younger, and I, I got to agree. He didn't,
1: yeah, the actor,
0: Paul Wesley, he didn't really work for me as, no, as Kirk.
1: There, there, was, there was one moment when he's, I think when he's on screen and he's sat in a chair, there's one moment there where he's, I can't remember what the line is, but he says it, and he clips himself in an extremely Kirk way. And at that point I was like, oh, that's it. And it never quite came back. Because I think he was just, like, he's an alright actor, this Paul Wesley. But... Oh, no,
0: he's fine. In what wars he?
1: I But it's a bit he's of a, it's a bit of a bland time. presence he, in he terms does. of, like, he's one of those mid noughties TV show guys. Mm. He's yeah. not standing out as a Kirk. Well, that's it. You just can't capture that. Like, you knew Chris Pine, like, pulled off almost the impossible yeah. thing of, like, doing
2: that. But, like, he had the, I suppose, the open road there. Playing, this is a different Kirk. Yeah. And, like, yes. you know, with a different upbringing and a different set of circumstances. So he can stand alone. This is meant to be William Shatner's David D. Kirk, and I'm sorry, but you can't. It is the hardest thing in the world to do, and like, it doesn't come close, in my opinion. Yeah, it becomes very much an archetype and a, like a misreading of the character, much like you know was alluded to in the interviews, which I disagree with, from Anne and Mel. Like, yeah, uh, you know, I just thought that perhaps the show, you know, the executive team, could like could do better in terms of
0: like looking at that character again. Because well, yeah, I agree with you. Almost came across that like they were slightly scared off of the character Kirk was because for me even physically he didn't come across as Kirk because Shatner in those original series episodes of course it's a different kind of thing until people weren't jacked then in the way they are now in like stuff but he was a big guy he was masculine he was like barrel chested as a fly, he was like a big dude when Kirk kind of you know Mm. went fucking fighting the Gorn you believe he could do it whereas this guy was quite like skinny and kind of like and I was like uh, it just for me I was like no that's not Kirk Kirk's not a big oh, dudes, like big dude. like I think, like yeah and next to Mount mm. he actually looked small compared to Anson Mount and not only that but Anson Mount out charismaed him yeah and I was like you know what I love Mount as Pike but Pike shouldn't out charisma yeah. Kirk yeah. it shouldn't happen it, yeah
2: like he should like Leave him sort of like a little bit, oh, okay, you seem to be the, the next
1: big thing, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, sort of I, like that's the future right there. Yeah. Um, he should dazzle his. Contours. I felt like they, they, they wrote around that by having a lot of scenes in that finale where people talk about Kirk. As opposed to him showing us. Yeah. Because his they, brother's going like, around, oh, he's a wild card. He's a whole pack of wild he's cards. He's of the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, like, he, he's a pain in the ass. and It's just I like, we're not is, seeing like, this. It's
2: stupid because it's like, wink, wink stuff. It's just that that's, that's where the show like, puts good so, foot wrong, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like telling and not showing. It just, it also just feels really fan y for the first time where they're kind of like, it's the legend, James Kirk. And, you know, just saying that doesn't make it so... You need to demonstrate through some actions, you know, an inkling of what this person will become. They're not going to be the finished article. I think, you know, that's the yeah. What they've done so well with Spock is like, roll it back. If you get them at this point in life, you can see that they're kind of the prequel version mm. of what you're going to get with Nimoy. And it works really well.
0: But yeah, the, the,
2: the James Kirk thing was a, a gamble. And unfortunately, I mean, they've dropped.
0: Yeah, I think you're exactly right in terms of pairing Wesley to Peck in terms of he just didn't capture... It the way Peck does in terms of that perfect balance of not doing an impression of Shatner, because that's the thing. Don't do an impression of Shatner because that, that's just going immediately go down a kind of spoofy kind of room. If you try and do an impression of Shatner, mm. you've got to try and body the, the spirit character. of that character. Oh, yeah. funny, and like you said, Chris Pine, I kind of think is kind of, you know, it's one of those things where, like you say, he, he diverged and did a different... He was able to do a different version. And Weirdly, weirdly, I actually think Chris Pine... I really do hope they get to make another Star Trek film with that crew, because I actually think Pine is closer to Shatner now than he ever was when he was playing him in those movies. I think Beyond is the one where he's closest to him. But now, if you've seen um, Don't Worry Darling... In that film, he's really Shatner-esque. And I was like, oh, he's aged into the role now. I'd love to see Go him by him now. Like, I think I think it would work really, really well. Whereas this guy was just... It's funny. I remember even seeing the first photo of this guy on set. And I was like, oh, that's Kirk? And I was like, oh, I guess he is a younger version, I think. But I think at that time... I assumed this would be because I didn't know they were going to go into the future. I assumed that would be him right. like 10 him, years yeah. before. And that would actually... If that had been him 10 years before, that would actually kind of yeah, worked. Yeah. But with this, it's only like a couple of years out from when he's going to be in the original series because they've gone into the future. I'm um, kind of like, oh no, like he just seems too young. Just... Yeah, he seemed like an ensign or like yeah, cadet yeah, or something. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what are you been, doing on
0: the bridge? Go he, get my tea. He should have been like a hurrah in the first episode yeah. being a yeah. more like you. Well, know, do, you think, character.
1: do you think because that finale took a sort of sidestep into a future <laughs> and then came back that we're not going to see him again as a guest star or anything. Uh, yeah, I mean, I doubt it because that, that seven years in the
0: future from when we've gone back to, so and it, it, it wouldn't really matter. I mean, even though all those actors played themselves again in seven years of you, because it's not that far away, I doubt he'll pop up, especially as Samuel yeah. Kirk, uh, his brother, which I think is a slightly odd addition as well. He's like a recurring yeah. character. Well,
1: maybe of, there you go. Maybe he will be the Kirk of 10 years ago, because if they bring him back now as the same actor, it yeah, be like, well, th- yeah. we were casting you for that, but we had one episode where you're in the future. Maybe,
0: maybe, maybe that's the idea, maybe that's what they're going for, but I, I do agree. Yeah. It didn't particularly work well for me, but you know, not a huge part of the finale. No. The finale in general, I think, is one of the strongest episodes and uh, overarching as a character study for Pike. Uh, And getting to see him come to that because I thought it wrapped up the season very satisfyingly, even with the tapped on cliffhanger of number one being arrested, which is essentially the same cliffhanger as Lower Deck season two with the captain being arrested in that. But at least with this, at least with this. They had built it into the season because, of course, the third episode, uh, Ghosts of Illyria, the virus episode, which would have been included on your proposed pandemic
1: episode yeah. <laughs> back
0: when we had the first lockdown, um, reveals number one as Illyrian. And the, the kind of outcome we learned that obviously the genetic modification is illegal in the Federation staffly. So we know, kind of know that's coming. They all kind of keep it a secret on the ship. And we think, well, if that ever gets out, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's going to come back, and it and it does. So you know, it, it kind of kind of makes we don't sense. Know who this fucking uh, dogger in is it, do we? Yeah, exactly. Who's the grass? The grass, yeah. Who's the grass? the end, like because someone because <laughs> someone from that ship must have grassed her up, haven't they? Yeah. Like you know, and I mean, I assume it's not the uh, Pike's new squeeze who's introduced the finale, uh, who comes to arrest her. But yeah, you're kind of like who. Who could have portrayed her?
1: Like, yeah, Wait, she wasn't intro in the finale. Was she, wasn't, she the one from the, the, first the first episode?
0: Oh, yeah, she was in yeah, the first yeah. episode. I, ju- I think there's such a big gap. I yeah. forgot she was there,
1: especially as... It doesn't Spock say in the future, like, oh, yeah, we thought you knew even back then that she was, like, traitor? Yeah, yeah, he says, yeah, he, yeah, he said, because she's the whole thing is she's the meant traitor. to be in prison then.
0: I mean, I presume they won't stick to that, because yeah. they'll, you know, diverge, but... Yeah, I forgot, funny enough, I forgot that Pike's love interest was introduced in the first episode, exactly because, well, life. I think the main reason I forgot is not only was there a massive gap in her appearing, but halfway through the season, in episode six, Lift Us Where Suffering he Cannot Reach, flame. He has a thing, yeah, with uh, a Laura who's an old flame of his, who, I mean, hey, that, that was an interesting episode in terms of it starts off as a kind of lightweight romance mm. and then becomes like insanely dark when I they're doing it. like full on child sacrifice. That and stuff was like that. the most horrifying thing I've seen in Star Trek. Yeah. Years. Well it's when they bring out the charred body of the yeah. previous sacrifice. To oh, like,
2: so, yeah. well, do it to children if you want us get a like, scary like I mean the thing is discovery trying to do dark. Like, you know, on torture and all this stuff. Like nothing Trumps this. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Bring yeah, out yeah, a charred kid that's been electrocuted like like and then you do put number one that has to with the computer. It's like. one
1: of those great original series concepts, isn't it? On like like Twilight Zone and yeah. shows from the Era of going like here's like some sort of utopian society, and then, and then the you're gonna find part. something that's normal to them, yeah. but the character that we're with and us is just like I mean, on horrified. Own. Yeah. Well, it was
0: a really interesting comment on like non uh, like foreign intervention, stuff like that, because at the end, of course. Pike is basically like, no, 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 no. This has got to stop and I'm going to stop you. I'm going, And she's like, oh, well, you've got no jurisdiction here. And you can see there's this amazing moment, really well played by Mount, where he has a dark look come across his face in terms of like, well, no, I am going to fucking stop you. I don't give a shit. Like, we're going to bring our ships back here. Basically, we're going to declare war. like And then you can see he dials it back and realises that he cannot do that. And actually, he has just got a let this happen and go on, and it's just really, like you say, really kind of dark
1: ending for that episode. A Al- Laura there, played by Lindy Booth from Kick Ass 2. Oh, who did she play? in She's a night bitch. Oh, did you meet her? Yeah, she's lovely. Yeah, oh, yeah. there
0: you go. She doesn't sacrifice children, no. Uh, okay, good, good to know. Good to know. She well, she might yeah, have thought she, she, she appeared in this, and I was just like. <gasps> Snipe bitch. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. Another one of the uh, long running arts through the season uh, involves, as we've just mentioned, Joseph M. Bagenga, who is the chief medical officer. Uh, as I say, he was introduced in the original series, but this is a very different version of the character. And we find out in the third episode that he's randomly keeping his daughter in stasis while he searches for a well, cure is she in the to a rare disease. Yes, yeah, I think well, that that's what I was getting a lot of work out recently. And these yes, drugs, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's meant to be like <laughs> old, antiquated car transporter. And he's searching for a cure to a rare disease. McGregor's syndrome. And, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Akiva, back in the... I mean, I would have loved it if Akiva had done a deep card. Like, Mr. Freeze comes on board to solve it. Um, but these. The <laughs> <laughs> but this okay. ran through the scene. They kept coming back to this and it eventually it, again it concludes. This isn't something that carries on uh into the next season. It concludes in the eighth episode, the Elysian Kingdom, which is the episode we talked about yeah. earlier, which is
1: essentially a children's storybook coming to life on the ship.
0: One of those very cl- original series. Yeah, one e- of those classic
1: episode. episodes where you get to take everything you know about the characteristics of the Crusoe Fire and flip it on its head. So Pike is hilariously, like, cowardly. Is this some kind of a joke, Captain? If it is jokes you desire, I could summon the court jester. Summon the court jester! Hold the gesture! But that bit where he goes, like, permission to, like, run away, sir, and it's just like, yes. He's like, thank you, sir! <laughs> yeah,
0: he's, he's really funny. An intense <laughs> traitor.
1: Yeah, but everyone, everyone's kind of flipped, so Uhura's like the queen, and Spock is there with his yeah. flowing hair. Play with the, the power dynamics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. The and they're, they're fun, those ones. I and mean, it's like, <clears> these are the kind of episodes that you'd <clears throat> never get time for in the what? middle of Discovery. It's the thing, in, in
2: season one of DS9, there's, like, a, an episode... It's notoriously awful.
1: Alamarain, if, you if you can see, Alamarain, you'll come with me. Come on, just see the rhyme.
2: then three more. Alamarain, if you can see, Alamarain, you'll come with me. Alma Rain, count to four. Alma Rain,
0: then to four. Alma Rain, if, then you, three can more. Al-Marain. Al-Marain. if Al-Marain. you can if you can see.
2: Alma Rain, you'll come with me.
0: Alma Rain, you'll come with me.
2: I think probably the worst episode of DS Nine, but it's so early on. Is that the one where they're singing that yeah, weird song, um, jumping along? Yes. And it's like a, they felt like when they were writing the reviews of that, like the people who made it, they like, ah, this was a fifth season episode. We did it twelve episodes in, and perhaps like just people didn't, <laughs> weren't ready to see our crew humiliated this way. Right. Whereas here's eight episodes in, but I was more than happy to see yeah. them kind of yeah. humiliating themselves, like ready. I was like, and it didn't it didn't break my you know enjoyment of the show at all. In fact, it was quite nice of, to see them have a little bit of fun with it so early on. It's just interesting, isn't it? Like how your know, DS9 was derailed itself like after twelve episodes because they had another twelve to go, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I mean I thought for the most part this was a really fun episode. Like I say, Mount is definitely the most hilarious as like coward. The problem with this episode is is the ending, is the wrapping up of that arc. It does I, for me, the Doctor's Daughter arc didn't really work as a running thread. And I thought the ending of it was very it really reminded me of like the worst. Of kind of wrap up of Doctor Who companions, I knew and you were like. say doctor. yeah, where it reminded me of um, poor Pearl Mackie going off with the Puddle Girl. <laughs> no, you yeah, where it's like the Nebulous Juice going, oh, we can take her away and basically make her into an energy being, and then she won't have to worry about the disease. And the fact that the Doctor was like, yeah, fine, it's probably <laughs> for the best. I can't do shit. Yeah, yeah. It's just like I almost sacrificed the entire crew try save her earlier in the season, but. You know, take her, nebula. whatever. Take her. I'm not bothered. And then, and this, it, it, this is funny because this is where, for me, the episodic format in a, a modern kind of era sometimes plays against itself. Because in the next two episodes. Where he appears, I just don't really feel like we really feel the weight of he's lost his fucking daughter. Mm. Like in the next two episodes, it oh, see it
2: that way though. I think this is the thing. It's like yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. What? Yeah, I,
0: know, I agree. It doesn't work, but I'm just like feel like
2: this is the kind of like future of Star Trek. Is that you know we're enlightened, enlightened enough to go. Actually, my kid turning into a nebula is probably a good outcome for their career. <laughs> no. like, you know, it's like I want to go to the universe. They're going yeah. up in the world. <laughs> become a nebula, become another—you know—another celestial being. Actually, you know, you want the best for your kids. Might not see them again,
1: but they—you know—they're never you know—shine light in the sky. And it's like that's good. that's enough for me. Well, this is it. If it had ended uh, with her going off and that was it, that would be nice. But then she just immediately comes back and it's like, I'm now old. Let's have another goodbye. Yeah, that's the was thing. Like, oh, yeah. now she's staying oh, okay. and yeah. she's older. I no she's off was, again. I it was like two thing. exits. It was enjoyable, but it also was the one I found the hardest
2: to stay awake during. Uh, like, um, yeah. I was in and out a bit.
0: Well, I found the main part very fun. It was just that ending that I kind of was like, oh, yeah. okay, now you're kind yeah. of losing I think people. I was watching this whilst well, your yeah, baby was three months old, like two months old. So there's like a lot of
2: Sleepiness. <laughs> That's fair.
0: Um, throw me some Gorns and I'm like, whoa. I'm in for it. Talk about the Gorn, let's move on to essentially the overarching baddie of the season, which was the Gorn. Yeah. Who are the main bad guys for two separate episodes, Memento Moray and all those who wander. But are we right in thinking that
1: we haven't seen the Gorn in modern... Treasure. No,
0: we haven't seen, what well, certainly in this, uh, I don't know about, have we seen them in yeah, other they iterations? They outside our generations, like, briefly. But you don't see
1: them? No. no, no. S- What a great one to bring back, because I guess, again, Doctor Who did all this, where it's like, which old school enemy is going to be redone from on time? So well, the, enough. This is at a time when, like, they haven't well, the really counted the, the gore?
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is another plot that did remind me of modern Doctor Who yeah. in terms of the episode Memento Mori, where essentially the Gorn are attacking but they're completely unseen that really reminded me of like reintroducing people like the diets when they did not first like because Oh, when well, they don't have any money. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, in, in the first episode where they reintroduced the Daleks and Modern Who, it wasn't that you don't see them, but there was only one Dalek instead of like an army kind of thing, like to be like, yeah, you know, one Dalek can be yeah. really, really Alien dangerous. It. Yeah, exactly. And with this, I was like, at first I was actually disappointed with the episode in terms of you didn't get to see the Gaunt. And I was like, Oh, have they just gone, oh the Gorn look too stupid, so we're not gonna do them like that. You should see that as a challenge and do a better version now. But then when they brought them back again in the penultimate episode, and now you had the baby Gorn, like hatchlings, I was like, oh, no, they're making the Gorn the big bad of this show, and they're building up to getting full Gorn like yeah. in there again. So I think in season two, we're going to get a full, like, proper big Actual amazing prospect gone to how I I won. Well, that's to have it. Pop another fistfight, Pike versus yeah. Because
1: it is an easy one to redo because. Gorn in the original series was a guy in a suit yeah. you can just do guy in a suit but better but amazing because yeah, yeah. that blue alien from the episode is guy in a suit and he looked fucking great yeah, yeah. and of course yeah Lahan Le- uh, Noonan Singh's whole backstory is about being a Gorn yeah it's about the so Gorn it's... yeah she's, she's got essentially survivor's guilt for her entire
0: family being yeah. like, and
1: that's Gorn fucking dark like, saying about dark stuff <laughs> with her going like yeah my whole family were killed and used as like breeding sacks it's like fucking hell yeah, yeah yeah. she's I really like her by the way
0: uh, yeah. uh, Christina Chong as uh, Lahan Noonan Singh I I think she's very good chief of security. She comes across as tough. I like her character. I think she's cool.
1: Well, to say about episode four as well, Memento Mori, does have that amazing moment where they manual torpedo drop through the gas cloud, where they fly above it and like above the ship and just sort of drop and then drop the bomb on it. It's Mm -hmm. an amazing like aerial maneuver bit that we see in the movies, it feels. Yeah, it feels very... That episode feels very big budget and kind of like huge kind of space battles and stuff New like that. Yeah, you know. be sure. Yeah. Them? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, very... I mean, and yeah,
1: episode nine is uh, Star Trek's Aliens.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, right, what, right, also, the, what, also the thing it reminded me of as well with yeah, the kind of icy planet everything like that. If they,
1: they find a little girl, that's the Newt. Fantastic panorama episode.
0: Yeah. Really up the stakes. Because this is a thing that we're going to talk about where I feel this did so well in a way that Discovery has failed at doing. Is one of my next episodes
1: says Discovery could never.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> taking a character, so we get the character of Hemmer, who is the engineer, uh, placed by uh, Bruce Korak, uh, who's an Andorian engineer who's blind in one eye, actually played by a blind actor, uh, the first ever regular fully blind actor in Star Trek, apparently, which is quite amazing. And essentially, we get introduced to this character throughout the season. I really liked his character. Yeah. I really liked him. I thought he was such a, and and he has lots of cool moments throughout the season. In the um, episode, the fairy tale episode just before, he's the only person apart from the Doctor who realises what's going on and he's able to kind of keep touch with reality. And he has a built a very interesting relationship with Uhura, He's kind of like her mentor and stuff like that, and he sadly dies at the conclusion of this episode. Very a real shot. I did not expect it at all. Suddenly, he's just like, "No, I'm infected. I basically have to commit suicide." He Zombie essentially rules. does that. He's like, "I'm going out for a walk. I may be some time." <laughs> um, and I, I, I genuinely found this really heartbreaking. Yeah. I genuinely was moved. Um, I didn't want his character to die. I was like, I like well, this. It's because it start. was
1: A, actual stakes and loss that meant something. B, the reason for him dying wasn't stupid. And C, they see it through and it's not just, yeah. oh, I'll bring him back.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I this really worked for me, I, and I, it reminded me that the last moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it really. So like we can find
1: me. a way to beam you back,
0: but leave the hatchlings behind. Yeah, no, none <laughs> of that. Because I read again, I read an interview with uh, Bruce where he said this was planned from the start. Like when he got the role, they said you're gonna die. In the first season, and it was very much a thing of design to be like, because they knew that they have a handful of characters where essentially the audience know that they're going to survive, or they think they know they're going to survive. They wanted to kill one of the regulars to show that there is still stakes. Yeah, And I think they told you, it really reminded me of killing Doyle in Angel season one. He died in the ninth episode, so same episode number as this, and that again really showed, raised the stakes, and went holy shit! Like you know, they can kill one of the regulars. This is really, this is a really big deal. Yeah, and I think yeah, that worked here as well.
1: And again, really dark and like when the first like chest burster basically comes out, like fucking blood everywhere. Like it's really like horrifying. It's great because it's yeah, like, really yeah, yeah it earns its fifteen rating.
0: I presume yeah. it's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really yeah, that episode I genuinely thought was intense and gripping like before yeah. that happened. And when that happened I was like holy shit, this yeah. is just well, crazy. On the, game. the, on the uh Inglorious Trek experts pod I mean uh, well,
2: Trek pods are available but don't uh, but, like, <laughs> but they you know uh, they did a kind of like uh, top episodes like of Trek through the through the whole you know plethora of shows there's been. And one of the guests, she kept on bringing in Stranger New Worlds episodes, including this one, and they're like, oh! Like, you know, i try trying to turn off because they're very anti-New Trek. But it's like, it's great people are flying the flag for this show, particularly, because of that mm. one. And, and, and some of the others in this one do stand out and are kind of brilliant, Like In terms of, they have the yeah. better for all this great, great modern production value, but combined with classic storytelling and and stakes, and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're going to go places where the original couldn't quite push into there. So it's like doing what we can get away with now on TV but not in a way that feels cheap. Like, I think Discovery, when they started saying fuck, I was like, Ugh.
0: Just because you can. Just so you know, apparently there's a lot of F-bombs in Picard season three. Is there? Who, funnily enough, one of your guys from Inglourious Trexperts went, or in fact, it might even have been from their account, yeah. went on the other day and went, oh, for those complaining about swearing because season three, we don't give a fuck say so your face <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. because because season 3 is the thing that's turned them around like, oh, I know like, like, yeah like, that's yeah. interesting isn't it I mean yeah. very interesting the uh, like, hardest audience <laughs> would be those guys
2: like for sure yeah like I just feel like Discovery you know, oh, no no same, Stranger Worlds you know does those things like the, the the gore and the horror and things like that which you can do on TV now but like adds on to yeah, like yeah. The original Trek kind of like um the Bones of
1: those yeah. episodes? The Bones. <laughs> the bones. Uh, I want to shout out Jess Bush as Chapel. Oh, yeah. She's Fantastic. Yeah. What a want to find because she's uh, like a visual artist apparently from Australia. Oh, okay. Um, Acted a little bit in like Home and Away and things, but this is her first role outside of the. Australia you wouldn't thing. know she's very charming yeah, yeah.
0: in that role. And I, you know what, when they introduced the love triangle uh, storyline between her, Spock, and To Bring. I was like, oh, this is very soapy, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, there's, there's some there's some sexual chemistry here. This yeah. is, uh, I'm into this. Look, when they kiss, again, another great episode, episode seven, The Serene Squall, where they're forced to kiss, to basically make cha be like, fuck you, Spock," and not, and not release. Cybok, as revealed, is the uh, prisoner who they're called by a different name all the way through the episode, and then you find out it's just a code name for Cybok, who I hope to god is going to be issues I would properly love it. Love it. As you a think that was bad the bad thing if they
1: wanted too. to drip that in Trip but findings. they haven't but they haven't cast him yet that's why it was just like Daniel yeah well, it's, it's just
0: a guy standing isn't it you see him kind of t- I, I i think they're like let's wait you know if you're the actor playing that kind of that. <laughs> I, like, I apologize but, Yeah, <laughs> like uh, you may be fantastic but serene school another great episode really really fun because we have probably for me the best guest star of the season Jesse James Keitel yeah. as Angel uh, who's the head of this pirate group mm-hmm. but she's pretending to be she's pretending to be a counsellor isn't she yeah. on uh, on board and she, all the way through she's playing Spock and the rest of the crew and then she reveals that she's the head of these pirates who have attacked the, the pirates in general her pirate crew are very Guardians of the Galaxy-esque mm. and Pike uh, basically who's captured to try and make them turn against each other. Felt very much like a Star-Lord-y kind of thing to do. Well, yeah, the whole thing they're referring to previous like you know, missions they
2: could have done and they're going to play this version of that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it yeah, yeah. Great, it great fun. And like, Yeah, it, yeah, it had a, a terrific twist, like in that, you know, Jesse's could tell, you know, she just played the that kind of, like, you know, damaged victim, but, you know, essentially with the counselling support. Yes. Yeah. very well. And and I you, know, you kind of buy her in that version of it and then she switches and she gets to really play it big. That's terrific. Like, you know, she's got great range. And I, I was like really yeah, I was like, "See the shades of Osy- a here? I'm
0: like, on, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, yeah, definitely a bit of Cyber. Especially what she takes the captain's chair because she literally takes over the yeah. bridge. Yeah, she she was great fun, and I love the fact that they kind of teamed her up with Cyborg. That their are part,
2: yeah. Like Cyborg just became so much more interesting. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, like, like, yeah, yeah. Cyborg yeah. always was interesting. Like, I, you know, I always liked like his character in that. You know, and the fact that he by the end of Trek five we get to work with briefly is like, you know, when he's like. I've made a terrible mistake. I've, you know, this is my fault. Like, I've, I think I've done. And then, like, you know, he just, like, then sacrifices himself. He, like, makes that decision. You know, just a great character, really. And, um, yeah, so I'm, like, I'm great to see that kind of there's more we can do with that person. Mm. Yeah. In, in the lore of Star Trek. Like, there's so much more fun we can play with that. And I just, I just can't wait for the scene where he has to explain to Vincent Mount that he's got, like, another sibling that he's not spoken about.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, another one. Anybody uh, else? <laughs> <laughs> but I am really looking forward to it because, you know being that big yeah. apologist for Final Frontier, so
1: I would like to that, Tell you. Yeah, okay. saying, <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, with you reading out these episode titles, I just want to re-pull this uh, tweet from today that you and me saw. Oh, yes. Yeah, AM, very funny. Yeah. Uh, from a Rachel Stott who just, a very astute observation that made me laugh, which says, um, Star Trek TNG episodes are called, like, Explosion. And the episode's about a big explosion. The original series episodes it's are disaster, called yeah. What Yonder Soul Doth Go Hence a Brother? And they're about an omnipotent space frog who makes everyone take their clothes off.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, uh, it's oh. so true. Like, yeah. really, d- d- like, couldn't care less when it came to uh, titles for
2: next-gen
0: episodes. <laughs> like,
2: uh, The Battle. Uh, family,
1: uh, brothers.
0: family. Brothers. Yeah, well, funny. I think, yeah, there are a couple of episode titles in this season which are very callback original series like lift us where suffering cannot reach That
1: feels <laughs> yeah, very, that's pure
0: and all those who wander that feels very and the children shall lead yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh we do have children of the comet which yeah. is episode two which that's a doctor d- d- who tell i think episode two children mm. of the comet was basically all of disco season four in one episode <laughs> because they're trying to stop this comet from destroying everything in its path and it's very much the unknown kind of like entity go for it. the thing that you can't you really go, go like 40 see. minutes? Literally go through destroying everyone's part. That sounds like very much like the anomaly to me. Yeah, and it he's destroying part. Well. So DNA. I was like I was like, Oh, did they just do Disco Season Four in on one episode?
1: Yeah, I loved <laughs> it because you know, I've written down like a sentient comet comet guarded by zealots with a big ship. Cool. And then, you know, the ending it has this peaceful solution, this optimistic ending. It was a really great episode three is when Oh, that's episode Two, isn't in it? This that's, episode two. That's yeah. when it immediately started to click into place because, like, episode yeah. one does a lot of table setting, but this one I was like, this is a really out there concept, cool mystery, all wrapped up and with a it's typically deep Trek deep. kind of uh, resolution.
0: Yeah, the first episode is just called Strange New Worlds. So, funnily enough, I think because obviously TV shows don't really have pilots anymore, mm. they just go, we're, we're making the series and that's it. And I kind of thought them giving that title to the first episode was a deliberate kind of callback to being like, oh, they made like almost Strangely Worlds in brackets pilot. Like it was meant to be a bit like an old school first episode of a track show. And... Much alike those other old scripts, for me, it's one of the weaker episodes of the season in terms of like literally, it feels a bit like the the story of the week there just doesn't feel like the strongest mm. to open with. It feels a little encounter at far point, like yeah, just like yeah. not really the. Um, I actually thought in that when they convince. Because the whole point is they're trying to save number one, who's been kind of captured through this first contact mission gone wrong. And then they have, Pike has to convince this species to basically join the Federation and sell it to them. And for me, like his speech, where he kind of shows them their own past and everything to convince them, and he's kind of reach for the stars. He just, I was like, you didn't convince me to join the Federation. (laughs) For me, that kind of showed, it felt a bit simplistic. You know, we've been comparing this a lot to Discovery in kind of a way that kind of raises Strangely Worlds and lowers Discovery. But actually in this case, watching that, it gave me pause for the rest of the season Because I was like, uh, it just becomes across as a bit simplistic in terms of the way they're trying to get them over to the Federation. Whereas actually, I was like, you know what? If this was Michael Burnham, she'd be incredibly empathetic, really kind of engage with their culture and stuff like that. Very much do it in a way that I feel would convince them more and so that was an actual thing where I was like, oh, actually, yeah, this I feel weak, yeah. yeah, this has moved moved beyond that. But then, like I say, I thought it built up like the first four were varying degrees uh, for me of successful. But once we hit Spock Amok, the fifth episode, the midpoint, which was called Body Swap Comedy, was yeah. Spock and three, which is very funny, especially the bit where um, Pike comes across them. And they like, oh, you must have picked up on the subtle differences between us. Yeah. And he's like, hmm yes, yeah, sure. Like, uh, and then after that, I just thought it really built up with yeah. um, the characters. Yeah, the just got barren, barren. barren
2: Like, is is terrific. Yeah, it? with the exception of James Kirk in the final
1: episode, yes,
0: like, yeah, it's pretty much bad. In- Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I still think that finale is is great. And yeah. you know what? Now I'm totally in for season two. Yeah. Well, episode, episode
1: five of the animated series reference as well, mentioning his pet as uh, a kid. Yeah. Could, could oh, chime, could,
0: could uh, chime yes.
1: Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I remember that. Yeah. There was a good, I
2: think that's the thing. It's referencing like the unloved yeah. Trek in a sense. But it's like the, they lo- love that stuff. Yeah. You know, they're kind of like a bit of outliers from Trek lore.
1: Given it, it's given,
2: yeah. like refresh, animated like, like series, Steinberg and animated series,
1: final frontier, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, and that's cool. Lean into those things that just perhaps didn't get done well the first time around, although I we would disagree about five, you know, being <laughs> not done
0: well, done great, but it's uh,
2: yeah, like you know, I'm back on board with you guys. In this. Good, yeah, good, yeah, yeah, good, yeah, good. Yeah. I think like, we'll, we'll get
0: that Shatner director's, yet. director's edition, yeah. No, I
2: don't
1: know that you need to change it
2: because we know that. I actually I made this point when we did the episode that I don't think that scenes are going to add anything except make it worse. Except like more rock you, monsters. The only thing to do it, is like go back in time, give more money. Yes, and the yeah, time finishes yeah, the film. make yeah, yeah. There's nothing on the, there's nothing that was shot
0: yes, that can make it better. True, yeah, yeah. And like I say, I don't, I, I don't think you, you need to make it. it better. I, I, I think Final Frontier is fucking great as it I think is, it's, so, yeah. it's the classic kind of
2: like thing where, you know, in like an 80s, you know, sort of indulgence that's like for its flaws, that's why we
0: love it. Like, yes. It? Right. Let's go around the table and get final thoughts on Strange New World Season 1. Matt.
1: Yeah, I love this, this is probably my favorite show out of, maybe out of the lot so far. Out of uh, every show of all time? Uh, just <laughs> every, <yeah>. Best <laughs> TV ever. No, out of all Star Trek? Out of, no, out of all New Trek, New I'd Trek. say. Okay, okay, yeah. Lower Deck still has the best theme for me. Oh,
0: well, one. I will say we haven't talked about the theme. This is yeah. another Jeff Russo But I really
1: love the beginning of it with the, the monologue and then the very end of the... Well, you know what? The theme really grew on me throughout the season. Yeah. At third, when I first heard it, I was just kind of
0: like... Eh. Just and I thought, poor old Russo, he's overworked. He's got to write the theme for every single Star Trek show. But then actually, as it went on, I really got into it. Not only do as you say, Pike does an amazing captain song, but at the end, where it starts going boom, boom. Like I think mean, I was like, yes, come on. Straight you up, let's go and explore. Yeah. But yeah. So that. yeah, it
1: fires me up. But yeah, I think this is just a really interesting bunch of episodes to kick things off with. And yeah, it, it lands it right out the gate. You know, like I said, we've got that body swap stuff in episode five. So it's like they're not afraid to go old school kooky with stuff as well and, and layer it in in a new way. There's real stakes. There's real, real deaths have we seen. As we've said, I think the whole chemistry and interactions between all the crew really work. I mean, this is what really stood out and what I kept writing down was how I'm amazed at how quickly everyone had their place on the crew and how even if you're not focused on them all the time, you get a sense of a a character through a better mix of writing and performance. And it's just like, it just made me think, Christ, we're like four seasons into Discovery and I do not feel anything for most of them or barely know their names compared to this lot. So that was great. And I think standouts aside from Pike and Spock being Nurse Chapel for sure and uh, Noonan Singh as well. Uh, Number one, I think was a bit, underplayed but she has some great moments like uh, enterprise bingo in episode five again and yeah i'm very intrigued to see where it will go i think if they can keep this going of having another element that could play as a serial thing but you don't make it that much but you do what they do here where you cap it off and you you address it towards the back end of the season in one go but have it filtering throughout. So that means you can keep with the individual stuff. And so, yeah, I'd love to see this, you know, suck up all the money and exp- on resources that would go to Discovery once season five's all done to give us 10 episodes a year for as long as they want, really. Because I think, you know, if you play out the timeline well enough, you could line it right up to when the original series starts. But what I hope they don't do is bring back Kirk eventually. Because if you eventually end the show with the setup of like right now we're where the original series starts the temptation might be there to them do let's do star trek again but now with this cast and then you're in the territory of like well, well now you're could just do remaking
0: star trek original series year four and
1: five you could somehow jump across yeah that's what they could do that'd be a weird Which they have done in comics if you watch exactly. everything in Chronological would be strange.
0: <laughs> well, only if they use
1: Gene Roddenberry's original scripts, which were like you know the Phase Two
2: scripts, which were all terrible.
0: That would be uh, the only way I'd allow it. Like you have to, you have to shoot these scripts. Like, what if they use the script to the Star Trek annual final mission, which we read for the comics? Well, no, the, yeah, that's which that's, was very good. Oh yeah, they can use that to fit the cap it off, but they have to use the episodes that were planned like, and. If and, and you down and You have to use These awful scripts yes, That's properly. it We have to be true To the text <laughs> <laughs> The oh, sacred text like, Paul What did you think
2: Final thoughts Oh it's yeah, so, uh, yeah Final thoughts are This one is a winner for me It's the best of the new track By some margin looking forward to some more Like yeah I, I can't believe how quickly it clicked I again agree It wasn't great out the gate Like Even out the gate Like that first episode Was mediocre Was still much more engaging Than I've seen in Discovery For a long time yeah, like, it's just a great crew. I love the Year's sing. Like, you know, her character is fantastic. You know, really tragic backstory, but, like, she has such, a, you know, interesting kind of, like, things to play. I talked about, like, I don't like them pushing kind of classic characters too much on us, but her and Spock do work. Mm. You know, just stay away from Kirk. Please, for love of God. <laughs> and, and I think there's for the first time, there's two episodes I think I'll revisit, like, of an all-new track where I'll go, you know what, I might throw this on one day, Spock amok, and... Mark, and uh, this, the uh, Serene Score. The Serene school. I might watch those again, like, on their own, because it's staying yeah. that good.
0: And maybe the Epinocle one as well, like uh, Aliens. Yeah. <laughs> All those who wonder. <laughs> uh, yeah, fantastic. I'm really, really glad uh, to hear that. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this a lot. I think there is room for improvement in terms of, for me, the whole thing of going back to episodic, while I understand the desire for that from fans for me there's still there's still room for a halfway house for me D M A. for me the best <laughs> the the best type of TV is actually between the purely episodic and the purely serialized for me it is the beginning of the golden age of TV that we saw in the late 90s early 90s where a lot of these shows still had individual episodes like you know I know I'm a Soprano stand but I've rewatched it a million times, so I know that show back to back. And the fact is, if you watch The Surprise, every single episode still has an A, B and C and sometimes D plot like a classic network episode of TV because they were writing that in the late 90s. They were starting that. So David Chase came from things like the Rockford Files and stuff like that. So he was still writing TV, although he was pushing things forward. And now had a far more cinematic look and feel of the long running storylines and the room to develop character. He was actually still writing episodes in that kind of classical TV sense of like, yeah, you've got to have an A, B, C plot. And, you know, each week there's got to be individual stories that wrap up while continuing this. The, the revolutionary thing was continuing this arc and building the characters and being able to have stories that built up. But you can still slap on an individual episode of The Sopranos and watch it as an individual episode, and the individual episodes of it still stick out to me in the way a lot of serialized shows, mm. which now are just thirteen-hour movies or whatever the case, don't. And for me, that is the best kind of TV. And I don't, I, I find it odd that people are one or the other when you can have a really good middle ground. And what I do hope going forward, is that they do lean into that a little bit more. Like, when they introduce Cyborg at the end of Swimming School, I would really like him to be a big bad for, like, a season where not every episode is about Sidewalk, but he is there in the background, kind of thing, and they can have individual episodes that are away from him, but it builds up to, like, a finale, or they have more two-parters like they did in those 90s Trek shows and stuff like that. I would really, really like that. But I think what we've here is a really good foundation for great stuff, and I think what they've concentrated on and what has paid off for them is bringing in really strong characters. Like, like you say, every every character basically is is memorable in terms of the actual regulars. Everyone they they build up. We haven't mentioned Erica or Tagus that much. Uh, Played by um, Melissa Navia, the helmsman, but Mm -hmm. I think she's great. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think she's a really fun character. She didn't really get her own individual storyline in the scene, but I think she's consistently really good. And all the characters are well played and likeable, and they feel like proper characters. Samuel Kirk, I can take or leave, but he's not really a regular. He's kind of more of a recurring. But yeah, I think that's what they've concentrated on series one building the characters. Which I think pays off really well in the back half. And I hope they continue to do that in yeah. the uh second season, just kind of run with it now.
1: And it's still so great to see the Enterprise flying around in these space scenes with the modern CG and the modern effects and stuff. Because it you know really does feel like Abram's trek again in terms of yeah, the movies and yeah. stuff.
0: I mean the actual we were talking about the theme Tube, but the actual title sequence looks gorgeous. Um, you know, with that beginning bit where all the different, all the lights gradually yeah. come on and stuff like that. It looks so, so lovely. Also, do you notice at the beginning of the... i uh, intro, dude, so I don't remember that. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's really, really lovely. And the... Uh, what, what, I, what I think is really interesting is this is the first of the new Star Trek shows where I've seen it has that opening bit very much similar to the Disney Plus Star Wars shows where it has like just an issue like oh this is Star Trek a bit like uh, just suddenly you just see the Enterprise flying it's like Star Trek like, yeah, in terms of like shows it's part they're yeah. building up this cohesive universe whole. I wonder if
1: that'll be in front of everything
0: well, I, I assume it will be because mm. it certainly seems to be designed that way like you know every shared universe thing now has that sort of the you know the Marvel Studios logo and all that kind of thing so yeah I, I'm really interested to see what they do with season two I'm pretty sure they've wrapped.
1: all we know about it right is we've got the Lower Decks crossover yes
0: yeah, so the only yeah the only thing we know I believe in Terms of Story is yeah there is a Lower Decks episode Changing World Season Two, where somehow the characters <laughs> from uh, Lodex are going to turn up in live
1: action, make it back or, into the past and into live action. Into live action. So yeah, I don't know do. how it's going to happen, but hey, I I'm I didn't
0: super I, intrigued. I, I hope they didn't Rabbit sort of thing. Oh it's no, they, they have confi- they have that confirmed bit, they have confirmed live action. Uh, so Jack Quaid said,
1: well, it's a good thing the actors yeah. doing yeah. the voices?" can be made up to look vaguely like the characters they're playing then I guess, right? Well
0: I <laughs> think, they, yeah,
1: that'd be interesting. Like they don't have to sort of like, you know, you know, change like their race or anything like that. Yeah. To make it
0: work. <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna be a Big Mouth situation. But uh yeah, no, i really enjoyed this and I was think it, what was on Big Mouth? So Big Mouth, yeah. the character Missy, who's hilarious, yeah. was played by a white voice actor. Yeah. And then at a certain point they went, oh, that's not on, is it? And they changed the actor to a person of color right. playing the uh, playing the voice. So there's so her voice slightly changes between seasons. They kind of acknowledge it. But yeah, it, it was, it's like, puberty. yeah. Because yeah. So, yeah, it was Jenny Slate before, wasn't it? I have a feeling with the uh, lower decks crossover, it is just Tawny Newsom who plays Mariner, who is. Black and Jack Quaid, who plays Boimler, who is obviously white. So I think it's just them two. Mm. I'm pretty sure, and maybe that's why. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well. um Yeah. Really enjoying catching up with all these Star Trek shows. And funnily enough, mentioning lower decks, lower decks season three will be the next one of these. Nice. That's all out there, isn't it? That's all out. Be very easy to catch up on as they're just twenty-minute episodes. Yeah, I'm really intrigued to see that. I love the poster for Lower Season 3, which pays tribute to Matt's favourite film, The Search for Spot, (laughs) uh, with Boy Blut in there in terms of the uh, the spot kind of uh, style. And uh, yeah, so we are going to do Lower Season 3
1: next. Oh, and also in in, uh, reference to your notebook there, Liam, only one we got this. Yes, yeah. I think there was Episode a. So I was like, oh, official, go. you got this count. Okay. But already. Yeah. Much more convincing than any of the discoveries. But there was
0: also uh, you got this in episode two, of Tokyo Vice, which I was watching <laughs> earlier, which I was amazed by. I literally cracked up. I was like, the weirdest thing to hear is the Michael that Mann. was fucking great, wasn't it? Oh yeah, fuck it! I thought episode two was fucking great. I yeah, I've, it's I've done.
2: Step, it's not a t- step down. But it's no,
0: no, no. I I genuinely didn't think it was a step down at all. Like, I literally. Um, it was a weird one where I watched that pilot, and because I knew that was the only one directed by Michael Mann, I watched that almost like as an individual Michael Mann movie. Yeah. Then kind of forgot about the rest. There was the rest of the show, and then it was like, "Oh yeah, I, I want to see the rest of that." And so I watched episode two the other day. Thought it was fucking great. Yeah, like literally, it's at seen it, yeah, man. No, no. It, such beautiful location photography yeah. of Tokyo, and it really is for me. It's the best of premium TV because it is incredibly ambitious, and it takes you into a world you haven't experienced before. Yes, and I find it really, really interesting. And uh yeah, I'm I'm totally hooked. I'll go on to the next one, but I don't want to work on a Tokyo paper. It looks horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, just like well, yeah. yes, you're a guy so yeah, it would be yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah for for exactly you. and I'm tall, Very tall like, yeah. uh, <laughs> like the main character in this so I'd be having a right hard time looks at one point he has to sleep in the office he's on this tiny little bench so <laughs> there is. horrible but uh, yeah Tokyo Vice recommended <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah as a watch not experiencing it yeah yeah but you can find us at Spotlight at Instagram Facebook Twitter you can email us at spotlightpod at gmail.com Anyway, until next time, live long and prosper, people. Live long and prosper. Hit it.